Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lose Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy. With me always is the fantastic Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, uh, happy Easter. You know, we're, we're just around the corner. Spring is coming. We've got another week of rugby to talk about, another Arrows Lost to talk about, which, you know, <laughs> uh, I hope you guys are doing well, all things considered. Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. I just want to say, like, what, what's happening here, guys? Like, the, the Arrows play one bad game, and, like, Arrows attire is just abandoned by all but me on this podcast. Right there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but also, I got my, my, my nifty uh, pink. And I've got right blue and white somewhere. Ah, all right. Okay. Oh, lion, yeah. Wolf, wolf pack and lions, though, guys. Like, it's, it's arrow, arrow season ran out. Gotta, gotta, support, gotta support the lads here. I was feeling nostalgic. As it, at the very least, is a Quinn Nawadi jersey. If you tell me it's a Quinn Nawadi jersey, I'll let you, I'll let it slide on the wolf pack one. Minute. It's 100% a Quinn Nawadi jersey. Perfect. 100%. Stu, there's no Canadians on the British and Irish Lions, so I don't think it's that cool. <laughs> I mean, there's red and white here, so I mean, yes, take what you can. It's true. Northern he- the Northern Hemisphere, you know. Whale- Wales always did wish that they were Canada in all reality. Yeah, sure. That's uh, Keep telling yourself that. Yeah, that's why, that's why they all come here to coach our team. What you- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, boy. I think they were applying for the Wales job. They just saw red and white and were like, yeah, pretty much the same. And there they are. And who knows what his vision's like. Especially after that last game. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, before we break down uh, Toronto's loss to Utah, I want to talk about some latest news. And let's start with some news that is uh, prevalent to the Arrows. Um, Gaston Cortez has been suspended for two weeks. Um, he has served one already um, against the game in Utah. Um, from what reports say, it sounds like he, um, when the uh, scrum half for uh, rugby ETL was in a uh, vulnerable position uh, Cortez hit him with his knee and uh, I guess the the ref deemed it um, violent enough to reward the red card again no one's seen it it's it's not recorded so we have no idea what happened right uh, but it's a shame you know not not a great way to start your time with with the with the with MLR and the arrows but you know he's only got one more week to serve and then he'll be back for the LA game um, and the other red card suspension news is that John Poland's suspension was overturned. I guess they deemed it accidental after um, after review, um, which yes. makes sense. The uh, Free Jacks uh, lodged a um, not a complaint. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, appeal, I think, is the word you're looking for. Appeal. Yeah. Appeal. Yes. Um, and it was ruled that because of the way Adam Ash was falling onto the ball and the actions taken, it was accidental more than intentional. I think the original ruling was that it was more accidental anyway, but there was more within the appeal that was in Poland's favor. So he that explains why he was playing the past weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Cortez suspension, I mean, as someone that hasn't seen the video of it it's tough to judge um i mean you can like if you go back on the rugby network you can pull up the game and the broadcast and i think uh what was it the 68th 69th minute something like that like you can see cortez it's like the wide angle and you can see cortez go into a ruck and then the scrum halves hurt and the play stops immediately but you can't actually see what happened really. Um, so it's a tough one to judge. Um, unfortunately, the arrows are without him for one more game, so they got to go into DC without him now. Um, 
as far as like the John Poland one, like I a hundred percent think that was a red card because he did kick somebody in the head. Um, although I guess you know whatever mitigating factors they used to take off the um, to reduce the suspension or eliminate the suspension, I'm completely fine with that um, because like I don't think it was like a malicious thing. No, but it still but, happened. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he did kick somebody in the head. So I mean, he the red card so, to me is fine. So are you happy with like how things turned out, like serving the red card in game, but then yeah, also like, being able to come back? I think the next game. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of any league really having a rule of being like automatic suspension for a red card. As I think, like I mean, I sometimes it's like yeah, I think. Maybe like getting kicked out of the game. I think Poland deserved his red card and deserved to be kicked out of that game. Um, whether it's an accident or not, you did kick somebody in the head. And it goes, I think it follows the same line of like shoulder charges and stuff, right? It's like, I don't think guys intend for shoulder charges to happen or like try to go in and intentionally shoulder charge or intentionally hit their opponent in the head, but they do. And those weren't red cards. And I think, I think here it's kind of a little bit of a weird situation with. I think you I think in that situation you can reasonably expect a player to dive on the ball and at the same time you can reasonably expect the player to try to kick that ball and I think it was just bad timing but because it was bad timing he ended up kicking a player in the head yeah and, and discretion probably could have been I'm okay with Poland's behalf not having extra discipline on top of that but I like it's 100% a red card all day so but um, I'm, I th- I'm cool with it not those, being a suspension afterwards, though. Yeah, I think one of those situations that, that you know, I, I like what you kind of mentioned is like, I think of Bondiaki's red card against England, where he kind of hit um, uh, Billy Vanapola. Like, it is a red card offense, but I don't think he was maliciously going to try and. I, I don't think. Hit I don't, Billy Vanapola, like, that hard in that, that high. It just was just an awkward. Yeah. You know, Billy kind of dropped down a little bit, but Bundy didn't react quick enough. And it just, you know, ended up like, I think the red card was justified, but I also think it was one of those situations where maybe the red card should have been enough. But yeah. Yeah. I just think like sometimes, obviously, certain red card offenses d- deserve suspensions yeah. after yeah. those offenses. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain ones that definitely do. Um, but I'm not, I, I, I think, I think there is like, you know what I mean? Like there's that, um, I guess with this MLR rule change with the 20 minutes, you know, people kind of liken it back to that idea that's been tossed around about having an orange card. And I kind of feel like an orange card is kind of like, you can kind of apply that same idea to like half post, like post game discipline too, where it's like, I don't know. I think further review. We, yeah, it's like in some situations, you know, maybe getting kicked. Yeah. It takes a lot of pride to do that, but I think that's the right decision. Yeah. uh, I mean, I'm cool with it. Um, Yeah. It looks like new England kind of needed them on the weekend. So, I mean, I'll I'll get into that later. What? Um and and Stu, this is I, I love that you know uh this Stu's been doing a great job writing our scripts the last uh, little bit. Um and this little bit is for him because he said Osprey's legend Hanno Dirksen signs for Noel Gold. Now I, I I feel like the legend term is being used loosely, but uh Hanno has spent the last decade with the Ospreys. So um Stu, why don't you give guy uh, give everyone uh, a quick rundown of what uh, Dirksen can do for the league for Nola, and what should we expect from him? Because I, I and Derek were both like, I have no idea who this guy is. Neither of us are big Ospreys fans, so give us a lowdown. 
Okay, so Hanno Dirksen is a South African-born rugby player. He's most commonly seen on the wing. He has played centre a couple of times, but the wing is his main spot. He's, uh, as you say, he has been with the Ospreys for the past decade. He's played over 154 games for the Ospreys um, and has scored 40 tries. So that is 200 points in that time. Um, Now... American fans may remember the name from when he was playing for the US, uh, I think it was like under 20 team against Munster. This was back in 2010, because um, while he was born in South Africa, he then grew up in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, and therefore at the time was eligible to play for the uh, Eagles. And Talk he about was, like a funny talker, like a South African accent brewed in Nashville. That is just a match that you would never think of. So he was actually approached to uh, be selected for the Eagles for the 2011 Rugby World Cup. And this was, you know, back when he was 19 years old. Um, however, at this time, he'd also signed for the Ospreys and he knew that if he wanted to continue playing in a professional environment like the Pro 12, now Pro 14, um, he wouldn't be one of the few players that would be a international signing because I believe now it's that you can have a maximum of two non-European uh, nationals on any team in the Pro 14, which means that if he had decided to play for the US, he would be classified as an international player. Now, from our interview with Jeff Hassler, um, he was talking about, you know, how he and Tyler Ardron were considered like the internationals for that team at the time. Um, and another part of it is that Dirksen was actually trying to uh, qualify for Wales and uh, the um, eligibility for... Oh, what's the one? Um, residency. So even though he had at this time qualified for um, the US under residency, and he's still a permanent resident of the US, he was trying to qualify for Wales. And again, it goes back to playing for the Ospreys, because if he was a Welsh national, then he would never have to worry about um, not being selected again, because he would fall under and be more beneficial to the Ospreys by being a Welsh national. And I do think um, because of his residency, um, by so he joined the Ospreys in 2010. By 2013, he was classified as like a Welsh player because he was eligible to play for Wales. Um, unfortunately, to my knowledge, that never came to pass. That's obviously the decision of like Warren Gatland and the coaching staff at the time. But in the other side of that conversation is that then he became one of the most well-appreciated and liked players by the Ospreys. And, you know, he has earned that legend status. I mean, you don't just be an average player for 154 caps. You obviously are there and sticking it out for a while. Um, And, you know, and because of the way, because of COVID in the UK, the Pro 14 season has been reduced. For example, the South African teams didn't take part in this most recent season. They have, they've even finished their season now. It's been reduced that much because they are adding the new South African teams for this Rainbow Cup that's coming up. 
So this appeared to be like the perfect break in play to allow Hanno to come over to the US and to join the Nola Gold. And now as an Ospreys fan, I'm now in a bit of a quandary because <laughs> when it when it'll come to uh, arrows versus gold, of course I'll be supporting the arrows, but you know my uh, Ospreys cap will be on whenever Hanno gets the ball. And I'd like him to score a try only for then to be another player has done a forward pass and therefore it doesn't count. So, <laughs> but... Um, you don't want him to score a try, is what you're saying. No, or scores many tries. But I want him tries. to score a try. I just don't want it to be his fault for, you know, being in the wrong position at the wrong time. You know, maybe another player was offside or so on and so forth. <laughs> That's not a try <laughs> but, then. It's not a try then. If it's it's a try in the moment. That's what we think. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, he's now 29 years old he is at the time where he could quite easily have stuck around at the Ospreys for you know another four years or so and won that until retirement but uh something I'm not entirely sure if he was approached by Nola or if well Nola, uh, Nola pro- injuries with their backs especially centers and wings so yeah, yeah. makes sense for Nola so so yeah, so oh, I mean, their offense looks okay without him. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, ultimately, I think this is a good move both for Nola by getting this uh, well-respected winger to come in. You know, obviously, the experience of playing in the European leagues is you know definitely going to be a benefit, and you know it's good for Hanno as well. Like I said, he's 29. I think the uh, ship has sailed for playing for Wales. But, you know, maybe. Uh, coming back to the homeland kind of, of uh, the United States, you know, having permanent residency obviously helps the issue with visas and things along those lines. So yeah, a great opportunity for him. Hopefully he'll be around for a couple of seasons and yeah, you know, I wish him all the best. Good on him. Do you have like a favorite Hanno Dirksen memory? Oh, absolutely. So back in 20, is either 2016 or 2017 and uh, the Ospreys were playing in the Challenge Cup and Dirksen had just come back from a long spell off from injury and I think it was the Ospreys were playing power or something like that and they were just walking all over them but uh, Dirksen comes off the bench and there's um, a tackle had just taken place the other side of the field and Dirksen is shouting at Dan Bigger to kick it into the try zone. Uh, so Dan Bigger gets it, kicks it cross field. Dirksen's there. No one's around him. Grabs the ball, goes down, automatic first try. First, first touch, first try. Back from injury. Crowd goes wild for it. Uh, thing. So, you know, he's a great like I, I keep saying, he's a great player, and it's because I've seen him make great plays. He's very <laughs> knowledgeable. Um, he has great gamesmanship as well, because he obviously can see where uh, the opposition is, and more importantly, where the opposition isn't, to uh, utilize those tactics. Um, will he be able to like walk into the starting 15? I think that's a bit uh, hard to tell at this moment, but yeah, yeah I definitely had... want to see him. They had uh, Robbie Coleman, their fly half, and also Carl Meyer, their 15, leave the game with injuries. So those are two big, big positions that are now left without uh, anybody. And they've already had injury problems 
Um, you know, they, they still have Dominguez, Duplessis, um, Jojo uh, had a big game too. Uh, Tico Savua, Savua. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see him. Now I'm even more fired up about it after Stu gave his his uh, recap. Love yeah. it. Hopefully um, he starts working on the cross-field kick. Yeah. Um, another big signing, uh, re-signing, signing, I guess there was a year, uh, that shortened season difference. Samu Manoa uh, is back to haunt the ribs of MLR players. Uh, he is returning to play again with the Seawolves. Yeah. Um, we were kind of talking about this beforehand, but just to have Samuel Manoa even just on your bench for like the last 20 minutes of the game, and it can go either way. Either you're down a lot and you want someone to go out and hurt some people because you're frustrated and get your team fired up, or you need someone who's going to make some big hits to stop, you know, the, the ebb and flow of a team who's trying to, you know, score a try when you're up. So uh, interesting signing. Um, he's had a long time off. I mean, the last game he would have played was the 2019 final. And I mean, he's played five less games than everybody else in the past year. Then also the training part too, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it's going to be very interesting. It's nice. Um, I think uh, it's a good, I mean, obviously Seattle off to a very rough start and their, you know, their championship defense not going so well, but I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, every team needs at least one guy where you just look at the team sheet. And if you're an opposing player, you can just look at the team sheet and go, ah, no, Maybe a couple four letter <laughs> words in that, but um, you know, I think those are the uh, like everybody needs that one guy that you absolutely hate to play against, and Samu Manoa is definitely one of those guys. So maybe uh, maybe brings a little bit of an edge to Seattle that they're kind of missing at this point in time. Well, guys, uh, very very cool signings. Let's get right into what happened in week two. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Mighty Ducks Disney Plus premiere, right? That's yeah, the positive yeah. things that happened. <laughs> no, we we got to rip the bandaid off, guys. Um, the Toronto Arrows lost once again their first back-to-back loss within a season, um, thirty-nine to twenty-four to Utah. The scoreline doesn't really reflect the game. It, it, you know, it's it's uh, it, it was a tough game to watch. I mean, for myself, there was a really strong when they scored their two tries in three minutes. But quick rundown of the game. Um, started off with kind of a battle of penalty kicks. Um, Utah's uh, sh- uh, shoot, 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 um, struck two penalties before Taylor Adams kind of answered to make it six, three um, with Ferguson coming off the bench. Adams kind of took the kicking duties. Um, and then Utah kind of just took the reins a little bit going to the, to half leading 20 to three. And then they got right back into it with another try <laughs> five minutes after the second half started making it 27 to three. And, you know, it's funny after uh, Adam's try, I, I sent uh, a gift to the arrows saying, you know, it's that, that um, Avengers gif of Hawkeye at the point. I think his name was Raiden in Ronan. Get Ronin. it right, Dan. Jeez. Get your comic book facts, right? Before you bring them on my podcast. Don't give me, don't give me that hope. And they, they, gosh darn it, they did it. They scored again. And I said, oh boy, here we go. Let's go. All right, big comeback. And then Utah, to score, Utah scored two tries. Uh, both of them kind of soft. Uh, Mikey Teo kind of had an had a, had a easy tr- trance into the, into the try zone. And, and, and 
good for Hurst. You know, try of <laughs> try of the week. Dude, that know? was sweet, man. That he, was sweet. he played really well. I was kind of shocked to not see him as the nine. I mean, he entered the game pretty early and did pretty well, all things considered. I mean, when we say we wanted a Canadian to score a try, that's not who we meant. No. But well, what, said, what a try to score. Yeah. Jason Higgins scored a try. Higgins yeah. did score a try. Yeah, <laughs> Frazier played played really well and good for him. Um, Manuel Deanna scored a consolation try at the end after uh, a red card. So here's what we're going to do, guys, because I feel like this is a game where we could go on and on and on about some of the negatives um, but I'm going to get, we're going to, we're going to do something that when I talk about talk, work with my kids, I tell them before you say something negative, you got to say something positive as well. So that's what we're going to do about the arrows. We're all going to take turns talking about one thing that we think worked well, what needs improving, who is your player of the match and who impressed you from the opposite team. Um, and I'm going to give each one of us five minutes because I feel like Five Again, minutes to answer all four of those questions. All four of those questions. No, that's not happening. You know that's not happening. It's that's a, I'm going. We a are fool's going to do our errand best. already. So I will go first. That is a fool's errand already. Um, what worked well? I think Taylor Adams had a much better game. I think he managed oh, things yeah. a lot better. Um, in that Atlanta game, he was frantic. He was. Uh, it seemed that he was just trying to do a lot by himself, and in this game is a lot more controlled. A lot more communication between um, him and the pack and his backs. I think that that was a really, really good chemistry that they were working there. I think him and uh, him and Higgins uh, played very well together. Um, I, another player I thought had a pretty good game. Um, and some of the boots from Adams for position, he had some really strong kicks uh, to to get some territory whether it be from a penalty or just trying to clear space because there was a lot of time where they were defending in their own 22 so i think Higgin, or adams had a very strong game what needs improving um we have touted and 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 and, and applauded um giuseppe Tatois and ben lesage's defensive abilities um and it was funny i actually wanted to do some research and i wanted to look back at the their three most recent losses and look at kind of the size of some of the centers that they've been playing against. And unfortunately, as much as we can, uh, you know, uh, pat the back of MLR, a lot of information is still really hard to find unless the teams themselves have done the updates. Um, so I had this big old plan to talk about how um, the arrows have had problems with big centers. Um, you know, you think about uh, Robbie Petzer and, um, Renee Ranger in that Glendale game, they had a really tough time defending them. Um, you think about um, the outlier is uh, uh, Misalau from Rugby ATL la last or uh, in week one. He's a little bit shorter, um, but then um, Isera, and then and then Robbie Petzer later. And in this game, uh, Utah had two some two big centers that really I think ran um, our backs for for quite quite a long time and i think that if the arrows are going to su succeed i think lesage and detois need to have a, need to play a little bit better we saw it in the rugby atl game they had fantastic um, um defensive skill in that first game but in this game and i think it was more of a problem as a team but they got really fl uh, flustered quickly and didn't adapt as well as they have in the past so uh that was something that i was not impressed about i think that's something that needs to be improved those two i think need to 
shore up their abilities a little bit more, especially since the team that they're going to be playing against next week in Old Glory. Um, my personal player of the match, uh, I, I already mentioned him, Taylor Adams, I think had a great, great game. I think that he's only going to feel more comfortable as the season goes on. And I honestly think that he is the option at 10 for the arrows. Um, I've, I saw after the first week, people already like writing him off on, on Reddit and, and some on Twitter. And I think that that was wrong. And I think he showed in the Utah game that that was wrong. Um, and in terms of who impressed me from the uh, opposition, um, Samu Malolo, he is just an absolute um, Tonka truck of a, of a man. <laughs> like, like he, he was so impressive. He had such an impressive leg drive. Like I, I would be curious to look back and look at, at you know, his, his uh, uh, meters made after a tackle and, and he got in a tussle with, with Levis on the sideline. I'm surprised that the linesman didn't pick it up. He just seemed to be everywhere all over the pitch until he got taken off. So um, I'll always give my, my front row some love. So I am going to go with uh, when Malolo. When he got taken off too, that's the first um, line-out throw with the, the reserve hooker in. That was when Wadden stole the line-out and then Rumble ran it upfield, the offload to Della Vega. Della Vega took it, the little two-on-one to Higgins for their first arrows try. That was the moment that Malolo was taken off. So as soon as he came off, the arrows put out two tries. So it's kind of an interesting way to look at his game and his impact on it in a way. See, guys, I did that with 40 seconds left. I have utmost confidence in you two. Which one of you guys wants to go first? You know, this is a podcast, right? Like the whole point. Derek, is can, Derek can go first. Oh, all right. Um, what were, I mean... Just kind of go in big positive, man. The, the arrows back row is unreal. Um, Rumble, Della Vega, Diana, they combined in this game for 31 tackles. They missed one combined. Um, they're just not, which is the led the, the game, um, obviously. Um, they're they're just nasty. Um, they have immense work rates. I mean, I think you saw like that try that I just mentioned after Wadden stole the ball, their ball carrying abilities insane. Um, their ability to kind of read a play like that, the work rate on defense. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you kind of look at it and it's like, I know they're 0-2, but I feel like these guys are, you know, playing like some of the best back row players in the league right now, despite what the record actually says. And, you know, hopefully it'll just click. Hopefully it'll click. It'll click soon. Um, uh, so that, that to me is my, my like glaring positive. I thought like, I think like if you were to go with, the four best arrows players in this game. I think you're looking at the back row. And then as Dan said, Taylor Adams, that's how I would rank them anyways. You know, I think in the first, in the first half discipline seemed to be a big issue. Um, lots of, there was a lot of penalties and I think Hagen Schulte, full credit to him, full credit to the Utah warriors. Cause they made penalties hurt. Um, that was really what, this I think ultimately that's what this game was is that because I was looking at it and I was like I wanted to come in and be like my negative thing is going to be disciplined but I'm looking at it and I was like so the the arrows I guess had a lack of discipline in the context of this game but in a league on the weekend where referees were handing out yellow cards like candy on Halloween (laughs) um it really isn't that bad um right so the the arrows had the arrows, right? So the arrows got twice as many penalties as Utah. 
which is bad. That includes Utah just being dumb in the last 10 minutes of the game where they forgot how to hit properly um, and ended up with a red card and a yellow card for those efforts. Um, but beyond that, the average amount of penalties for all the teams across the league this week was 13 and a half. So I'll round that up to 14 because you can't have half a penalty. So like they're, they're below, they were below average as far as discipline. The thing with this though, is if you look at all the scoring plays that Utah had, right? Schulte, um, penalty, penalty, six, nothing, right? As you said, they kind of answer it. Um, arrows offside. That's Maholo's first try. Detroit not rolling away, ensuing lineout. Shepard plays the man in the air. That's Williams' try on the next lineout. Um, Halftime, half you kind of have Maholo kind of has the um, Fortuna actually creates a turnover on Montero, runs it back up the field. Nice transition work. That's not a penalty. That was a turnover counterattack. Um, but then beyond that, Rumble off his feet. That's Teo's lineout. Um, Adams offside on the Tukale grubber when he was ahead of the ball. Oh. That the re Frazier Hurst, the back of the lineout mall, that unreal 65 yard run. The reason that lineout was happening was because Adams was offside. Right. So that was a big like swing of like that could have been an arrows try that could have brought them within what that would have made it 34 24. But Adams mistimed his run and then it's 39 17 all of a sudden. And I think you kind of look at that, and it was like ultimately 32 of their of Utah's 39 points came directly off of a penalty, like the literal next phase or two off of a penalty. And I think you kind of look at the the Shepherd one on the Williams try, where it was like Detroit already gave up a penalty, and then like the arrows actually stop Utah on that one, but you just you gave them a second shot at it. And I think like Schulte at the start. He set the tone with that 55 meter penalty, right? Being yeah. like, yeah, this is my range, guys. I think I forgot this. about all of the other, I forgot about that because of all the other things that happened in that game. That was insane. Yeah. So he, he just sets up and does Adams tried his own, missed. He tried one from 50. Schulte at one point with advantage tries a 50 meter drop goal, too. Um, which I mean, if, if you need a single for a guy that thinks he's playing well, it is. The, a, I'm trying a 50 right meter drop goal. Um, you know, you know, you're feeling your game at that point. But yeah, I think it was just like, and I know, like, if you, I just feel like, man, it's like if you can just, like, it was like I just look at this game and I'm like, that's a lot. That's too many penalties. But it's like in the grand scheme of thing, it's not really that much penalties if you look across MLR. But it was more a lot more than what Utah took. And then Utah, full credit to them, especially Schultz, um, because. Man, like some of those kicks that he had, um, like even like Dan, like I know, like you were mentioning, like Adams did well with some kicks, but I mean, he lost that battle to Schultz, like oh, as far yeah. as like the kicking for sure, he lost that battle to Schultz. Yeah. That one where he Schultz tries a clearance kick and it goes from like ten meters inside his own twenty-two to inside the arrows twenty-two. It's like, you know, you flip the pitch like that. Um, so I mean, as far as I mean, I'm getting kind of in. That's the guy that impressed me from the opposition. Um, same with Fortune. Um, Fortune was a menace at the line out, like absolute madman at the line out. He had a couple steals. The ones that he didn't steal, he made sure they were messy for the arrows too. And then like, I just think like in general, like to me, this game kind of came down to like Utah was just like, if you're going to take a penalty, we're going to kill you for it. And that's what they did. Um, 
And I mean, full credit to like full credit to Utah for being able to do that. Right. Like if, if you're going to take, like get an opportunity to do it, um, you know, take advantage of it. Cause it's like, you kind of look at like the rest of the stats from this game. And I don't think it's like, I mean, the score, like you kind of said, then like the scoreboard doesn't necessarily indicate it. Like, I mean, Utah had the edge in the set piece, both in the scrum and the line out um, like ruck speed and everything is pretty similar. Um, like tackles made the defensive statistics. It's all like relatively like Toronto, Toronto had a hundred tackles. Utah had 80, um, but like Toronto had a higher tackle made percentage, right? Utah was still missing tackles and stuff. Right. And it's like the, the stats in the game don't necessarily reflect. I feel like the overall score other than Utah had six penalties, Toronto had 12 and on those 12, Utah made them pay for every single one of them. So you got to kind of got to clean that up. Um, but at the same time, you have to clean that up. But at the same time, looking at the rest of the league, really not that bad, but it was just in the context of this game, it seemed like a lot. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it there. Um, and yeah, what I'm, I feel like I missed a question. No, who's your, you, your man of the match, but you kind of mentioned the back row was, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. From from the arrows, man of the match. Yeah, for sure. I would say from the arrows, man of the match would definitely. I'm gonna just collectively give it to the back row. That's fine. Um, I'll give it to and, you. Yeah, <laughs> and then I mean Utah too. Schulte, Fortunin, um, those guys were outstanding. And uh, you got to give the shout out to Fraser Hurst too. Um, as you said, like, he, like I mean, in a re- all reality, that was the one moment of this game because this game, as Dan said, was kind of frustrating to watch. When Hurst kind of busted out that run, and it was him versus like Tukale and Levis, which by the way, like Tukale was the defender on this try. Like, let that one sink in for your first pro try. Um, for your first pro try, you, just, you got the blow by Joaquin Tukale, man. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, but it was like that was the one moment in the game where it's like, I love the arrows, but I also love Canadian rugby, and that made me smile. Like, just see, uh, seeing a, a young, like, UBC grad. Yeah, hat and uncapped. Absolutely uncapped. Gorcha team for a 65 yeah. meter try solo effort in your first career MLR game. That's honestly, it's just cool. And I mean, like, it went against my team. It went against my team in uh, the Toronto Arrows. But you know what? I, I like, unlike Stu, you know what? Stu, Stu kind of went with the I, I want the try taken back. There's no way I want that try taken back. Um, that's the, it's the try of the week. I saw uh, world rugby posted it on their Instagram page. Like, yeah, like, well, welcome, Ouch. welcome to the show, Frazier. This is uh, like, that's, that was cool. And I mean, ultimately he played pretty well too, throughout the whole game, especially for coming in from Baskas because he didn't play at all last week. And Utah kind of has that weird roster thing where they only have two scrum halves. So that'll be interesting to see a Baskas out long-term um, or if he's just out short-term, maybe out for like yeah. a week, but it's like, if Baska's out, like Frazier looks like he's the guy there now. So um depends on how long Baska's out for, I guess, but good for him. That was way more than five minutes, but you didn't stop me, did you? No, you're actually too, not too bad. Like you're three minutes over. That's fine. Oh, three see, minutes. I told you it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't gonna... least, you didn't stop me, though. Your job is to stop me. Why no. Did you stop? No, you needed me. Yeah, whatever. All right. Stu, I want I want to see hear how you felt. Who what do you think? Stu, also, you only have two minutes because you have to make up for the three minutes that I went over. No, I'm not an absolute tyrant. I'm only kind of a tyrant. Your time starts now, uh-huh. Stu. Okay, so what works well? I think 
for not just for this game, but for like the longevity of this season. Um, it goes back to the team signing these two big names that uh, played their first MLR games, and that's as I mentioned, the Afon Joaquin Tukale and Manuel Montero. Um, Tukale playing the entire 80 at uh, fullback, and then Montero made a big impact as soon as he came onto the fit onto the field as well. Um, but for both these players, these are both um, Pumas. They're both capped internationally. Um, and even when, you know, the pressure was on, uh, the points were accumulating for Utah, at no point when these players had the ball did I ever get the indication that they were making like a panicked move or looking to, or looking to you know, get things moving. They were both in complete control of what they were doing, uh, their surroundings as well. Now, could have other players been closer to them to assist them absolutely but you know you can only control yourself um to play especially in the first half uh, breaking through tackles was fantastic to see uh montero definitely um helping in the attack as well and you know i think we've been saying that these are big signings for the arrows but you know you always wonder like once they're on the field, is like, is it? Have we just hyped ourselves up, and now we're we expecting like a negative? Fortunately, that wasn't the case. These guys were fantastic. Hopefully, they'll get more game time. Hopefully, Montero can start in one of the next few fixtures as well, and we can, you know, hopefully see how the team progresses with these two um, icons from Argentina in the side. Uh, what needs improving? This comes back to the same thing of having a fractured uh, preseason. And, you know, I was even reminded that uh, the traditional um, Arrows versus Rooney uh, preseason scrimmage didn't happen for obvious reasons. Uh, but even something that isn't classified as a match, that's a good example of seeing like, okay, what works, what doesn't, what can we improve on? And it just seems to be that because of that lack of preparation, things are just taking longer to gel together. Um, I would even possibly would have included the relocation to Atlanta, which obviously as a cost-saving measure did seem to be a very last minute kind of thing, um, only flying out a few days before their first game. However, at the same like time, they left last minute or like it was planned last minute? They definitely uh, the, no, le they left last minute. Really? That, but that was intentional because they have said they planned on spending uh, the first three weeks in a hotel and then deciding where you're going from. And even, but anyone who's ever paid for a hotel knows that how expensive they can be. So you obviously don't want to uh, be spending too much. And, and that's the thing is that um, I can notice certain things and especially the instance where the arrow scored two tries in three minutes, that was when things were starting to gel together. But at the same time, like the defensive efforts weren't. And, and that's how um, Utah was able to undo the damage of conceding two tries so quickly. Uh, my personal player of the match, uh, I think you've already touched on, is Taylor Adams. Um, Great mindset, great outlook of the game. Um, you know, maybe all the penalties that he wanted to kick didn't uh, 
go over the bar as intended. Um, but he was controlling the game. Again, being offside as well wasn't helpful. But um, I like that play though. Yeah, oh no, absolutely. That's like, and that's the if he had been if he had been onside, that would have been an amazing try. But unfortunately it was called by um the touch judge as well as the referee, so um uh, didn't happen. However, um I'm now also starting to see the uh, Rob Howley attack plan from having watched too many Welsh games and noticing that uh, when uh, Deep um, Adams is kicking onto the field, he's not uh, kicking into touch. And then it was, and the idea of that is then that Utah would then kick out and then it would be a net advantage for the Arrows. As we can see, that didn't really come to pass. But, you know, he was definitely an improvement over last week's game. And by that logic, uh, he should be getting multiple drop goals against DC. Uh, that That's just how it works. Um, and who impressed me from the opposition? I think, like, we have to admit, Fraser Hurst had a fantastic game. He came on in, like, the 21st minute as number 21. Coincidence? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but... That's it, news. Okay, this is where I'm going to, like tweak my 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 shoulder yeah um but obviously that probably wasn't the plan from uh, the coaching staff and to you know have Hurst then come on um and then score that wonderful try was fantastic i'm also impressed by mikey teo because it was only a few days before the season started that he had been announced as one of the i don't know if he's vice captain or co-captain that's a whole thing uh, but uh, billy wilson i think is the Captain, captain. Yeah. Okay. So Teo's the vice captain, but you know he's he's obviously a um, well respected. Wilson's the uh, the youngest captain in MLR history. Oh, that's good for him. That's his claim to fame there. Uh, but Mikey Teo obviously doing the uh, business, obviously scoring a try himself. But you know he had good communication with the referee as well, and um, he and I know there's like especially when a player on your team gets carded, there's the obvious, you know, you want to defend your teammate approach and say like, oh, hang on, how come about this and that? But uh, Teo took it really well, as well did um, both the players that got carded. And, you know, you want that in the captain. You want a captain that's not only um, there for your team and can do the job, but is also like respectful for the game himself. So that's my uh, breakdown of the Arrows match. Uh, Adams, Adams for the Arrows and Teo for... Utah. You know, it's funny. I, I think we've we we just talked about uh players and new teams, and I just kind of dawned on me halfway through this. Uh Mika Cruze being traded to Utah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, good for the arrows for not having to play play him <laughs> with uh, with Utah, you know. That that is a big big signing for them. Uh Mika Cruze, one of the ta- most talented young Americans in MLR, is is now uh bypassing his time in LA and joining Utah. Um you know, there have been rumors about LA's issues with with money and foreign players and and stuff like that. So obviously, this is you know you don't want to see a talent like this go. But if the money's not there, then Utah will gladly take Mika Cruze off their hands. So good for Mika for finding a home that if that they could, be, could, a, that like could be a fun back three too. Teo. Oh yeah, because uh, Lobster, the Namibian international, he looked pretty good in his uh, debut too. Yeah. He had that uh, on the 
after that Fortunin like turnover, he had that like the really like I think Schulte offloaded to him, and he kind of had like a couple sidesteps on some guys and like busted a pretty big gain for uh, to uh, set up what then Malolo kind of did his line break down to the try line. Um, which was another great tackle by Taylor Adams to go one on one with the hooker and like a giant. Yeah, what, what did I say? Great, Tonka truck. It was man. a great tackle, and much like Ben Lasage's uh, great tackle um, against, against Connor, Cook. Uh, Connor Cook last week. It was a great tackle. It's just a shame that they scored like thirty seconds later, anyways. <laughs> but um, I think the other the other interesting thing that I don't think we really touched on is like how weird is it watching like the arrows kind of come up on the wrong side of the scrum for once. Like was that that was kind of odd? Yeah, it's funny because I thought Pat, Pat Lynott had a good game. I thought oh Lynott, I think had a, I thought but, Keith, Keith had a really good game too. Like I think was, I, like, Keith just, looked a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I th- but even like Keith hit like a lot of like rucks and stuff. He had a good good like work rate too. Um, but I think I think at the end, which was kind of interesting, because they subbed uh, um Roland on for Lynott, and, and then Keith, Keith went back went to the loose cross. head, and it, the scrum looked a lot better with that so it's like i kind of wonder if that's something that they look at going into week. next week's game against old glory start with that and then maybe bring line on later um atkinson was the only player in the game not to used. not play too so um i mean you probably want to keep keith on um and then you know get cortez it's just how many how many games is he gonna have to play 80 minutes Right, like we don't want him to burn out too. So, the, uh, their hands are going to have to be played at some point. No, no, yeah, either. no, yeah. and stuff. But, um, yeah, exactly. So it's like Atkinson will probably get his get his first game at some point, I would imagine. Or, yeah. but even that though, you, like maybe you mix that around, maybe like Ouellette or whatever off the bench too. Like maybe you maybe you got options. I think with like the bench and stuff. But I wonder if like how the scrum seemed to improve a little bit with Roland at tight head and granted I think at this point in the game like Utah had their reserve guys on too so maybe so that's a bit of a of factor but yeah. so I mean like you can kind of hem and haw with that but I wonder if there uh, if anybody thinks about a little bit of a shakeup but well I mean they're playing well, a team that 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 historically doesn't have the best scrum in, scrum machine you know in the in the league with old glory's old glory, yeah. time in 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 MLR um, yeah, but I think Old Glory has proven that they don't need that. No, they don't. And and, I mean, and, if, and they've looked a lot better, man. They had two guys. They had two front row players in the team of the week this this week. No, too. I know, I know. But but if if history it's a repeats different than twenty twenty Old Glory now, yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see if the arrows, even with these new rules, can use it as a weapon. I mean, next week's going to be a hard game, no matter what. You know, they they've got a tough schedule in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. Like like I said, like I'm still like. I'm not ready to hit that panic button yet. I'm still wearing arrows gear, unlike you guys. So um, I'm not ready to hit that panic button yet. But I think, I think next week against Old Glory, I think like this, this has to be like the message sending game, in a way, like as far as like to the rest of the league, because yeah, like one, you can't go to zero and three, but if you look at the rest of the East, like everyone is one and one, or Old Glory and Nola are one in the draw. Um, but like, like the most wins anybody has in the East is one. So it's like, you're not like too far behind really. But I think like, you know, if you, if you can kind of knock old glory down to like 
one, one, and one, bring yourself up to one and two, send a message to the rest of the league that you can, Hey, you're, we're still the Toronto arrows. We're still the team to beat in the Eastern conference. And, you know, kind of do that by knocking off one of the teams that is playing quite well, despite also not having a very, a very fractured and weird preseason themselves. Um, and then the week after though, you get the LA Gilkinis in, so, uh, in their first road game too. So there's, but okay. But like, that's the thing though. And it's like, we'll talk about this later when we actually talk about LA as it's like, I think I don't like, I guess maybe we can transition to it a little bit, but like, like at what point do you start thinking like if LA's for real, like, and if they have to like kind of prove themselves, right? Cause like, you know, I, I, know I covered them last week. I covered them last week and I said, if injuries start popping up, you know, DTH didn't play this week. Uh, I know that his family is arriving or just arrived in the last couple of days. So I don't know if yeah, it was it was maybe deep. health and also kind of getting, getting things ready for his family. Um, but if Ashley Cooper and yeah, but what if Gittel, but like even that, like they still have Cardi, they still have you know, I like see. they still have so many pieces that they, they could just pop in there and, and I see what you're successful. I see what you're saying, but at the but it was like um I think more or less what I was getting at though was like I mean they beat New England who was last in the East last year three five games not the greatest sample size. Seattle kind of looks like a shell of their former selves at this point. I just mean like, who do they have to beat before we're like, okay, LA might be for real here as like a shield contender. Like, cause under normal circumstances, I feel like every, we would be circling the game against Toronto as that game, because it'd be like their first, which would be their third game, but the arrows right now are owing to, and I still think like there's no way like the arrows are not gonna finish the season and last, but like unless they do. But yeah. they're not going to. They're not going to. What a wacky start to the season, right? Eh? Yeah. I mean, so what they both have bye weeks. Um both both Seattle and and LA. So LA, we, we don't know. Their next game is against Toronto. Yeah, their next game is against Toronto after a bye week. But it's if also- they can beat the arrows and if they can beat the arrows, then we might say that they're, they're the real thing. Uh, I think too though. Hold on, let me pull up LA's schedule too. This is yeah, because uh, I think too, like the, the LA schedule for the next couple games is kind of interesting. So it's the Arrows, then it's Houston, then it's the Legion, then it's DC. See, I kind of want to see what LA is going to look like after that game in New York. Wherever that may be. Yeah. But it's like the road game against road game against New York. Like, Cause you could go Toronto, Houston, San Diego, old glory, New York as your next five games. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll see where they're at at that point, I guess, but maybe after San- seeing them play San Diego. I don't know. I do not know. This is a bit of a tangent, but like, I think the, like the point though is it's like, I don't think, I think the arrows are are going to be fine in the grand scheme of the season. I still think they'll make the playoffs. It's a weird start to the year. Um, they definitely look like a team yeah. that are, are rusty. Yeah. yeah. You know, the first the first game, their offense really didn't click. The second game, it was the defense. Like, if we can put the defense of the first game and the offense of the first uh, yeah. the second game together, like they're like, a complete the team. It wasn't too bad. At least it wasn't far off from, like, what you kind of defense Utah put out. It was... 
they had it was the penalties that Utah just burned them on. And yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe, well, yeah, I, let's let's not repeat ourselves because we've got into that. Let, let's move on because we still have a lot of stuff that we we have a lot of games that we want to talk about. Um, some uh, some MLR was uh, other than the arrows was played. Um, and Derek, you're actually top of the docket. You uh, are are telling us a little bit about what happened between Nola and Rooney. Rooney Nola. Um, this is one of the aforementioned games where referees were handing out cards like candy. Um, and you know, Canadian ref in this one, Mo Chandry. Um, so shout out to the Canadian ref. He was quite busy in this game. As far as the actual rugby that was being played, this is really the uh, Jojo Tuco Vosal show. Um, he started the game with a monster intercept try, ran it all the way back on uh, Nate Brakeley. Um, he had another intercept try. Sadly, that one was on Quinn Nawadi. Um, that one, as I think, like, yeah, that one became like the flame and the fire gif or whatever that the rugby network put out. Um, so that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, so like the two intercept tries, and then he also added just a try, like in normal phase of attack play. Um, he finished off a nice play from Nola down the wing. And just because a hat trick isn't enough, he also had 15 tackles. He's a winger. He had 15 tackles. He was second on his team in tackles behind a flanker, um, Guerrero. But it was like, I, 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 wingers shouldn't have 15 tackles in a game. <laughs> Like, I don't know how he got 15 tackles in a game. Um, but, like, yeah, just so that's just an absolute monster performance from him. The other tries in this game, Nola got a penalty try. Again, unfortunately, that was Quinn Nawadi's doing on that penalty try where um, he had uh, Dominguez. He was trying to chase him down from behind and kind of did like, I guess in football, it would kind of be like a horse collar tackle or maybe like a seatbelt tackle kind of thing. Um, and fully deserved the yellow card for it. Um, and it was definitely a penalty try because if Nawadi doesn't tackle him, he's walking in. Um, and then you also had Cam Dolan and Damian Stevens uh, picked up his first try in Major League Rugby. Dolan's, Dolan's try looked like every other Cam Dolan try. Um, just a five-meter scrum, eight-man pick runs it out. Um, Rooney got their tries from Foden. Um, Fuatai and Tawaki and Bonazzo all picked up their first MLR tries. And, you know, Holland said had some conversions. This is kind of one of those, those games that is kind of interesting because, like, if you kind of look at the stats on it, like, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like Nola would beat them, like, this badly. But, like, the JoJo intercept tries definitely hurt. Like I said, like, Nola, this kind of really reminds this game kind of reminded me of like the 2019 Nola, like the version of Nola that's like, I don't care how many tries that you score, we will guarantee that we're going to score at least one more. Um, and you know, like New York had a little bit more possession, a little bit more territory, but Nola made their opportunities count when they mattered the most. Um, you know, and like their their own ruck, they did a great job though with um some quick ball um so did new york new york was very quick in the ruck speed and stuff it was just you know nola's defense kind of held up nola had 19 penalties in this game though which i mean i'm sure is something that they're not definitely not going to want to keep up um it's you know it'd be interesting like, like 19 penalties playing 30 minutes a man down 
Carl Mayer was hurt and there was nobody left to kind of cover for him. So they realistically played 38 minutes of this game down a man and won 51 28. Um, so, I mean, I'm not sure, like, I mean, they won, but I'm, I'm not sure how much you want to play like that over the course of the whole season. As far as the Canadians go, um, Bailey and Howard were solid, but rel- like solid, but relatively quiet throughout the match. Um, Nawadi, um, two, I guess, glaring errors, the yellow card and the intercept try that Jojo th- uh, picked off. Um, but beyond that, he seems like he's adapting pretty well to playing on the wing. Um, like good positionally, kind of making tackles where he can, looking for work when he sees those opportunities as well. And um, so, I mean, I, I like kind of seeing that transition stuff. Um, Rooney, too, though, like Rooney still crushing the line out malls and stuff. So, like, that's going to be tough for any team to kind of stop. And, uh, you know, I mean, over the course of the league, too, it's like it looks like the line out mall is going to be the way to go to score most of the points this year. And, uh, Rooney's one of the best teams at that. So we'll see if they can kind of keep that going forward. Um, kind of a weird game. Rooney got the bonus point, though. Um, I feel like Nola's going to give up a lot of bonus points. But, hey, if you score 50 a game, it's not that big of a deal, right? There you go. Also, is it is it – like, I know we're about to run through all the games. Is it sad that JoJo has, like, picks off two intercept tries and he probably doesn't even have the coolest hat trick this weekend? No. No, it's not sad, Stu. No. All right. I'll tell you about the coolest hat trick later because I also have that game. <laughs> All right, Stu. You are up next, my friend, and you are talking to us about uh, the battle of the expansion teams from last year, Old Glory versus Rugby ATL. Uh, give us a lowdown on what happened in uh, in Virginia. Well, so DC versus ATL. So this was their final game of 2020. And the score in that game was DC 31, Atlanta 29. And there's ATL um, started with the lead. And it was Old Glory in the end that uh, was able to overcome that deficit and take the win at the end. Um, You know, it started off with like the first 20 minutes, no score, even defense, even attack. And then it was... Uh, finally going for the posts for the penalties. So that was started off uh, by ATL. Um, so yeah, Robbie Pets scored two. Uh, Danny Tusatala starting at 10 instead of uh, his usual scrum half position of nine, um, but playing like a scrum half throughout the game. He, I, I could see how much of a nuisance he was to uh, rugby ATL throughout that uh, match. Um then it was uh, Rowan Garrows who scored the first try of the match and went over and ATL then built up a 10-point lead going into the half. But I think one of the main changes that happened was that DC uh, subbed off their um, scrum half for Mike DeBolas, who is normally a uh, fly half. So now you have a fly half who has a number of a scrum half and a scrum half that has the number of a fly half. So they just swap positions and then get more suited to what they are. And um, yeah, going back to Danny Tusatala, he was able to help in the build up to a couple of tries as well as getting over for a try himself. Um, as the game came on and uh, continued, 
as we mentioned, there were cards being handed out all over this weekend. And, you know, uh, Rugby ATL got theirs first and then DC, not wanting to be left out, uh, decided they wanted a card as well. So for two minutes, they were both teams were down to 14 men. Um, and in the end, it all came down to um, the final try, which was uh, Tavita Nagali um, for DC and Mark O'Keefe for ATL. Um, these were tries that took place over two minutes. So it was end-to-end stuff. So it was great watching at Segra Field. Also, the other side, Segra Field looked amazing. It was, you know, all pristine. You didn't have all those other lines on the pitch to uh, confuse you. So I think that was a great improvement as well. Um, but yeah, it, this was obviously a very close match and um, ATL were at the death, very close to scoring another try. And I was thinking, how weird would it be if DC opened their season with back-to-back tries, uh, back-to-back ties even? Yeah, drawn games, four points, that's it. But, you know, in the end, they were able to hold out and then kick it into touch. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they're pleased to have a win. Um, ATL obviously didn't walk away empty-handed by losing by seven or fewer. They get the... Uh, losing bonus point. So now let me talk about. Um, I've already mentioned my standout player. It was uh, Danny Tusatala. Um, I they announced today the MLR fifteen for round two, and because he was the fly half when he's normally a scrum half, I can understand why he wasn't in that MLR fifteen. But I think it's criminal that he's not in it. So I was like, I'm okay with it, but I'm not okay with it. You get what I mean? Yeah, I okay. get you. I get you. Uh, um, is Danny Tusatala like he's like the early like if you were to do betting odds on MVP right now, oh. it's him right? Like he's the favorite for sure, right? For for the East, I'd say yeah, definitely. Who, um, and for the whole yeah. league, I meant the whole league league MVP. Who's who over the first two weeks has been better than Danny Tusatala? I feel like you're cutting into my five minutes at this rate, right? Come on, be a conversation. Yeah, well, I gave you your five minutes. You're gonna give me my five minutes, and then we'll we'll have this healthy conversation afterwards. All right? Okay. I haven't even gone to the Canadians yet. I thought you'd uh, be willing to hear those. So um, for DC, we have uh, two Canadians. There was uh, Doug Fraser back again at centre. Um, you know, he was improved. Uh, well, I thought he did great against Nola, but he was like improving again. Um, I think. Uh, there was an opportunity for him to score a try if an offload had been given to him, and unfortunately that never um, came to happen. Um, also, recent guests of the show, uh, Luke Campbell, were, came off for the bench at the 63rd minute, and you know he added to the scrum as well, definitely. Um, ATL, of course, Captain Canuck, Matt Heaton, leading for the full 80. Uh, Connor Keys, um, you know, a bit of the uh, been to the naughty step because he was the ATL player that um, received a yellow card. So, you know, obviously not what you want to happen. You don't want to be letting your team down by um, being on the naughty step for 10 minutes. But, you know, uh, solid performances from all those guys. So, Derek, what was it you uh, want to have a conversation about? Well, you said Danny Tusatala. You said Danny Tusatala would be the MVP for the East right now. So I'm yeah. questioning. Because my question I was trying to ask was about the league MVP. And those odds, I feel like it's Tusatala. But now I'm curious who you think in the West would be better than Tusatala to make you say he'd be the MVP of the East right now. Well, I think at the moment, and I think it is because of like the opposition they face, it's 
Um, definitely one of the guys from LA um, could definitely be like in the uh, conversation, conversation for uh, MVP yeah, for the West. Well, Adam, who? Also who? Names, well. names. Dan, Dan's trying to say names. Your mic is really low for some reason right now, Dan. Uh, Adam and Ashley Cooper's been playing really well in his two games. Uh, Matt uh, Gitto also played has played really well in his two games. Uh, hasn't played as much. Like, you know, he came off of what the like 47th minute for Luke Cart with Luke Carty coming on. So I, I agree. I agree with Derek. I'm full heartedly agree with him. I, I think he's the MVP of the league so far. I mean, again, I'm just saying like, if you were to do betting odds, like right now, oh, yeah. like, if you were to make a bet, but in 16 more weeks, who are we going to say the league MVP is? If you were to rank guys with odds, is Tusatala like the favorite. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, that's I, I'm agreeing. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. I'm just saying for the sake of having a conversation is in, we are only two weeks into we the tournament. Only. So we could say, oh, he's the MVP for the East. And I would say Matt Gitau is probably MVP for the West. Although I would also say, you know, after scoring a try, it's my man, Ryan James, who's definitely the <laughs> MVP for the West. We got to get um, you a, we got to find out a way to get you a Ryan James jersey. Yeah, you can, you can send me a signed one. That's fine. Dude, let's make it happen, man. Somebody from LA that listens to this podcast, get Stu a Ryan James jersey for Yeah, Yeah, I know, I know uh, DTH is taking uh, time off. If he could uh, you know, have a chat yeah, with... Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, have, we have those LA... Have, have a chat with Adam Gilchrist, see what he can sort out. All right. Well, but also, I, like, like, I don't know. I guess they need to combine... Like, do they have? we have to get the, the Gill squads to, like, c- combine their resources and actually get the last name put on the back? Oh, Actually, you like yeah. have like the yeah. nameplates like from from the Gilgroins. From yeah. yeah. Which, by the Man. way, small aside, they looked really good this week. Like I, I watched the game and I don't think I saw a single guy's nameplate fall off. Yeah, because that, that happened in the first week. Yeah, it happened yeah. in the first week again. Yeah. But like this week, I don't think I, I don't think I saw a nameplate fall off. So if I the nameplates aren't going to fall off, I love the last names on the back of the jersey. I think my issue for it, just quickly, is that it doesn't match like the numbering on the back. Like if it was just white letters, it's uh, it's the and... Philadelphia Flyer name bar. Yeah, but I'm not we're, sure. not, we're, we're, we're not in Philadelphia. That's the that's the thing. I'm not I saying they stole it from that, but that's how like the Flyers do it on their orange too. Is they have the white and it's like the orange outlines of the name. Anyone that's I wonder if they like, I wonder if they just like Texas fan. Let us know if it, if, if <laughs> Texas does that as well. I wonder. Anyway, Texas Longhorn thing. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should move on to the next match. Uh, yeah, who and I, am, I am up. I am up. Um, so I am covering uh, the Sabercats versus the Free Jacks, which starting my timer now, it's a really, you know, you look at the scoreline and it, but it was a really interesting game. Um, the Sabercats had 60% of the possession, um, had a, a 900 uh, meters carried compared to the free jacks 474 um the free jacks were kicking a heck of a lot more like five over 500 uh meters kicked to the 200 uh that the the saber cats did um the saber cats are more line breaks less penalties conceded had to make less tackles and had uh 65 of the territory so what how did they get shut out? And I, and it really comes down to their inefficiency to take advantage when they were up with uh, the, the yellow cards that um, the free Jacks were given out. This was another game where a lot of cards were given, given out. Um, Harrison Boyle was sent to the sin bin for a dangerous tackle. And then two minutes later, this game Canadian, was 
this game was the most cards given out. Yeah. Just... Um, uh, Josh Larson, Captain Canadian, uh, was also given a card. So they were down to 13 men, and they came close, but no cigar. And it was it was insane. They had all this time in their in their end, and nothing happened. And the first score didn't come until the second half. And it was it was the Free Jacks that that took uh, advantage of it. My boy Dougie Fife had two tries in the game. And it just came that that New England's counterattack was able to just take advantage of opportunities where Houston just kind of looked frustrated after after that period where those yellow cards ended. It was just it just seemed to be they were super down on themselves, they were making mistakes, and it just wasn't uh, it wasn't a game for them. Um, it, it must have been really frustrating for Houston fans to watch after they had such a successful first game against. Um, the Seawolves, you know, you saw a lot of really strong play from, um, from players that, uh, you know, Diki Diki Lani and, uh, uh, Freire, the, 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 uh, Argentinian fullback. And it just really wasn't there. Um, in terms of the Canadians, um, Robbie Povey came on, uh, in the 68th minute to cover, um, Zach Godfrey on the wing. He was there. He, he, he was a body on the field. Didn't really get a whole lot of action. Didn't really do a whole lot. It's tough to look good when you lose 32 nothing. Yeah. Um, again, Josh Larson had his yellow card um, for not rolling away. But I think that he also just had his simple, you know, hard-working lock game. And he, and someone's got to give him like, 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 a, like a Tim Hortons gift card to give to all the refs. Because, my <laughs> God, he spends a lot of time talking to those guys. And, and if the free jacks are going to continue to play like this, he needs to get, you know, used to talking to refs because it was bad. Um, so good for him for really uh, sticking it out. Um, my players that I was impressed with, I kind of mentioned them. Dougie Fife had a strong game at fullback, really fun to watch him play. Um, they have uh, the free jacks have a Johnson and then they have a Johnston. You know, John Stinn scored a try this week and, and had a had a good game. John Sin had a uh, try last week off that impressive um, uh, lineup play. So, you know, we talk about teams that have strong back rows. You know, uh, the Free Jacks uh, back row came to play. For the Sabercats, again, when you're shut out at home, not a lot of guys impress. Um, but Jinho Mun, um, they're, they're nine, they're... New Zealand, South Korean scrum half. I've been really impressed with it the last couple of games. Um, you really see his seven style sometimes when he kind of uh, takes it in himself. So a tough, tough game for Houston, but it seemed to be one of those games where they just didn't really have the things going for them. Um, uh, Windsor, Sam Windsor also had a tough game with kicking and, and it was, it was a windy, humid game um, for the free Jacks good for you for for having such a strong defensive game shore up those uh those penalties that you're giving away i mean they had three yellow cards in the game like clean that up and and if you continue to play as defensively strong and have guys like fife and, and waka uh, making big plays you should be fine okay well next on the docket uh stew you are covering the austin versus san diego game tell us about what happened in that game so I was watching this game and I had the LA Seattle game in like the mini 
screen in the corner um, because of this game started first, and it was I a far that. closer I, affair. I love that you're on the rugby network. And yeah, the picture-in-picture thing is great, especially because so many games are appearing to be played at the same time. So you, you don't have to choose now. You just get both. That is um, my favorite part about the whole website. Anyway, back to um, the Austin Legion game. Um, this was a very tight game, and uh, the Legion you know, started off, and they l- look strong. Obviously, they have uh, the history from 2020. Um, and you know, wanted to make right after the week one, um, but they made a few um, errors as it turned out. So instead of going uh, for the posts uh, during like the first uh, twenty minutes, they instead uh, went to the corner, and that turned out it didn't work. It's uh, I know we've been saying that uh, the line out has been one of the surefire ways to get a try in uh, MLR this season. But it didn't pay off. Um, Austin turned the ball over, cleared the lines, and uh, not long after, it was uh, Mac Mason for the Gilgronies that uh, slotted the first kick. And interestingly enough, that was the only score for the entire first half. I mean, the Legion, again, looked to be going for a try. Uh, So Cameron Clark broke the line. And Save Toto Vosal um, looked to have crossed, but it was all the issue of the last pass just went a few millimeters forward. So back for the scrum that way. Um, speaking of the scrum, uh, this is where the new laws have had a real negative effect on the teams because Austin were completely dominant at like the five meter scrum in front of the post, but they would. Uh, win the penalty but then they can't have another scrum even though it would have been the opportunity for them to then you know have another scrum and then maybe have won a penalty try but because of this law change we can't have that we have to go for a kick or um, tap and go and because of that I think that was a move that was been removed from Austin's arsenal and as such the half finished 3-0 to Austin um, and then at uh, the start of the second half, or to be more honest, uh, 15 minutes into the second half, um, it was Jamie McIntosh who uh, went over to make it, it was 11-0 because of uh, the misconversion. And it was only then that uh, we had the first Canadian involvement, this time for San Diego, uh, with Travis Larson going over for his try. And then what, turned the entire game on its head was a miscalculation in the Austin lineout, uh, which overthrown, picked up by San Diego, all the way to the other side of the field, uh, taken down, and then it was finally Carlo Denishan who went over for the seven-point try. And then, just to add to the drama, because this was only a three-point game at the time, uh, Travis Larson then got a yellow card. So three minutes before the end, Man advantage. We're thinking that maybe Austin will be able to get it. Unfortunately, they just fell short. Uh, There seems to be a pattern that's emerging for Austin, you know, doing well and then only for right at the death to be missing out on what should have been a surefire victory. Anyway, 
On to the star players. As I said, Carlo Denetian um, at Scrum Half was doing the magic, absolutely. And obviously getting the try as well helped that. Um, I also would just like to mention quickly that Bryce Campbell was injured during the game. A nasty collision. Again, this is one of these like accidental knocks. Uh, no one to blame. Um, and he was stretched off. He was, however, you know, moving his hands, so indicating that he was at least conscious. He has now uh, gone on Twitter to say thank everyone for his support. He said he's feeling better um, and that it looked a lot worse than it actually was in the end. Um, nothing else has come forward, but I'm sure because of the contact of the head, he'll be going through the concussion protocols. And um, I obviously can't say if he'll be playing uh, this coming weekend, but, you know, Glad that he's on the mend, at least. And uh, that's a positive to take away from anything like this. So let's talk about Canadians for um, Austin. There's O. There's O. There's Mo Abdelmonam again. Um, he also felt like felt like he was just inches away from adding another try to his Austin record. Um, and unfortunately, that never came to pass. Cole Davis on the wing as well. Uh, I think he had a great performance as well, but ultimately, you know, didn't get the victory he wanted. And um, San Diego, it was the golden man and then the golden card man, Travis Larson again, you know. And it's these things, it's teams losing their discipline in the final 10 minutes. And, you know, fortunately for Travis, it didn't um, lose his team the game. But, you know, against different teams going down to 14 with only a few minutes remaining. Like You don't want to be that guy, do you? Um, but yeah, very intense game. Very uh, challenging for both Austin and San Diego. Um, one for the purists, I'd say, just because it's not a high score, but definitely a great game to watch. My one question about that game, though, should Travis Larson's penalty have been a penalty try? Because it's it's a professional mm. foul. It's pulling down a mall, rolling towards the try line. Mm. Should that have been a penalty try? And like, was it kind of hard done by there? That's I think the, the big question about that game. Well, ultimately, it's down to the referee's decision on the day. I mean, this is Everything the issue. Is down I, to the referee's decision. Yeah, but, but this is. I'm this asking is if that decision should have been a penalty try. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with the ref because I'm not a ref and that guy is and he was obviously there and had the best view of it. I'm gonna say it's not a penalty try. Uh, maybe it was just like too far from the line to be a penalty try. There was like too much to give in for like interference or what could have prevented a penalty try. So I'm saying like no, it's not a penalty try. I wish I had the fit, as much faith Stu had in refs. <laughs> God I'm just trying to be the least controversial person on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the the Giuseppe Dutrois on the wing. <laughs> wow, and Ryan James for MVP. Oh no, yeah, that's 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 pretty fire. I know what you got. Uh, did Ryan James uh, you know go try this how, weekend? Yeah, uh, Derek, Ryan finish James us off. Tell us about how Ryan James did. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Stu's favorite player, Ryan James, did have a try. Nice offload from Adam Ashley Cooper as well. Um, I think, you know, this is one of those games. It's a very quite fascinating game, really. Um, I think, you know, Seattle looked really good in warm-ups. 
And then um, their downfall was that LA arrived to the stadium safely and um, walked <laughs> on the pitch. Um, things things seem to uh, things seem to go poorly for Seattle um, after LA actually showed up, um, which they arrived on time, so it didn't take much. Yeah, three tries, opening twelve minutes, and just um, banging them off. Really, like Abel White Goddard got on the board early. Goddard ended up with a hat trick um, in this one too. Um, one, his final try was just um, the scrum on LA, which some people, I guess, have questioned. And weirdly, like if you look at the scrum stats on this, Seattle did technically have the better scrum over the course of the game, although it didn't look like it on that play where they just kind of marched over um, the line there. Um, Adam Ashley Cooper, Stu's favorite player, Ryan James. Um, Cottrell also had um, two tries himself. Um, man, like Goddard did a great job of facilitating a lot of quick ball for LA. And I feel like that's the way that they want to play. They want the ball like in the back's hands. They want the ball quickly, you know, and when, when the offense, I mean, like get is obviously world-class at like facilitating, like where the ball should go. And LA's kind of taking full advantage of that. Meeks had another big game, a lot of big runs. James looked, James Stu, I'll give it to you. James looked really good. Um, he had a, a number of big carries on the day. Obviously, scored the try too. Um, I think like the interesting thing kind of happened um, with uh, at the towards uh, with about twenty seven minutes left to play. James Malcolm comes on for Seattle and. Um, this dude better start next week because I don't know how you don't start him after this. And if you're looking for a replacement for Stefan Kotze, um, um, you know, scoring a hat trick in your first nine minutes of MLR play is a good way to solidify that spot. Um, so that is um, at least I believe I know, Stu, I know you were involved in some discussions about this on Twitter earlier today, but the fastest hat trick in MLR history Um I saw like the fastest hat trick in uh, World Cup history was Corbis Reinhardt against Canada last World Cup. So, yay! Um, but oh, I'm sad. Yeah, so how quick was that, Derek? Yeah, now now you're sad thinking about that. But um, Malcolm did it in like half the time. Um, so there was a lot. Um, so like all three of those tries to um, rolling mall, line up mall, like. Um, it'd be interesting. I think over the course of the year, it's going to be interesting to see if teams kind of, I guess, figure out how to defend this because it seems to be like, honestly, like the success rate of line out malls right now. And I'm just kind of like looking at like this, this Malcolm thing. So it's really, I mean, the only hiccup of LA's game, like we could just sit here and be like, yeah, we just watched them carve through Seattle's D a lot. Um, but it's like, I wonder if it's like at some point, like if you, like at what point do you like if you're awarded penalties do you just start kicking to the corner because it's like you can get five and five or seven instead of three right but i think like canadians in this game you know ill nicky played really well he had a really high high work rate like i said it's like other than like there's a couple scrums where they came out on the wrong end but overall they weren't too bad um he had a really high work rate um Nakai Penny had about 43 meters on just three carries so he made the most of some of his minutes there uh, Barton, Sears, Duru were okay. Barton helped set up H Hattings' try, um, so that was good. Um, 
Stevens also had a big carry on that led up to Cottrell's um, try. Um, Him and Thomas, like, I mean, in the grand scheme of the L.A. Giltinis, there's a lot of Hollywood Hollywood type stars that kind of stand out on that team before them. Doesn't mean they played bad, but just in the grand scheme of the game, they were just kind of quiet. LA's offense is something. Um, (laughs) I'm interested. Like like I said, it's like, I I don't know to kind of circle back to that discussion we were having earlier. Um, You know, as Mike Tyson once said, it's like everyone's got that plan until they get punched in the mouth. And um, like, they're off to a great start. A couple of massive scores in the first two weeks but I want to see what they look like after they get punched in the mouth too. So I'm not completely certain I'm ready to like hop aboard the Giltini's train unless hopping aboard the Giltini's train gets a Ryan James Jersey into Stu's hands. Then I'm all for it. We should just have him on the podcast. Can he be like the first guy, the non first non-Canadian to come on the podcast? We'll just get Ryan James to do this. Um, just so Stu can meet him. Um, <laughs> but be, yeah beyond that though like i kind of want to see how they react and i guess they got the bye week now and then toronto so toronto on the road for the first game um so i think so like that'll be an interesting one too um kind of can't wait for that game i think that'll be a lot of fun yeah well you know we talked to dth that he was excited to play toronto and that yeah. was before we found out that i'm excited he wasn't going to be able to and then they changed it that he is going to be able to now also so. Like, cause I, I know Stu kind of dropped the, uh, the little stadium note on his thing. Um, the Coliseum, I am totally over the fact that it's probably way too big for MLR. Oh my God. It's, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. Yeah. The, like, it's it the lo- best stadium. It looks awesome. It's, it's honestly the best Be, stadium. Seeing the players walk out with the call and like the Giltini's logos and stuff on the walls. Um, seeing like the, the players like in the, uh, the Trojans dressing room, which, also, like, if you want to talk about bad team names, Trojans is pretty bad. Like, you literally, you named your team after a group of people that are most famous for getting their ass kicked. <laughs> like, that's what the, that's what, a, like, who, what else is a Trojan other than, like, the Trojan War? Like, that's, like, who Thanos. else goes, yeah, right? Like, that's, that does that, not help you. It's not, it's, it's adding to your case. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's all, that's all it is. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like me personally, I'd rather be called the Giltinis than the Trojans. At least, at least Giltinis are. I well, the Trojans were real. Giltinis are two and oh. Trojans are like oh, and like the most historic loss in in war battle mythology history. So oh it's yeah. So I, mean, I would uh, I was saying that if uh, if it comes to pass that no MLR team can be named after an alcoholic beverage or. There's a limit on like what you can call the team. Oh, alcohol that, beverages are named after MLR teams. It's the orders. Yeah. I, either way, if the Guillotines are forced to change their name, I'm like, well, they're already playing in the Coliseum and they start with a G. May as well call themselves the Gladiators. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, that'd be that that would be cool. It's pretty good. All right, guys. Well, let's uh let's get into our predictions for next week. As it stands, Stu and I are tied with a record of four, seven, and one. Woof. And uh, Derek currently has got us by one with a uh, record of five, six, and one. Uh, first game, Derek, who do you got? New England versus Utah. Um. All right. So this has proven to be the most, uh, apparently, I think I said a few podcasts back that this would be the most unpredictable season. Yeah, this is also and, New England's um, very first think, ever home game. I don't think out of any like MLR media that I've looked at, I don't think I've seen someone above 500. 
like as far as like their picks. <laughs> I, I don't think like it's just been an absolute crapshoot. Um, New England versus Utah. Oh my goodness. Um, where are they playing? Who's the home team? It's New England's first ever home game. Oh, New England. You got to do it. Get the storybook then. That's the only reason they got to play at home. You have to win your first home game. Storybook. Oh, and arrows didn't. Yeah. No, but I mean, it would be nice, Dan. Like, <laughs> fine. Like, fine, Dan. Dude, Utah, if you don't. I think I will. We'll see right, if Stu can convince me otherwise. You type in Stu, here. who do you who are you picking? Uh, well, I know that New England are the first team this season to have a washout victory, but and I know that you know Houston did put the money against uh, uh, Seattle. However, I think that it's Utah they're playing. I know. I'm saying that I don't think New England are facing a team of the same caliber when it comes to Houston as it does to um, Utah. Utah have shown, um, especially against the Arrows, that if they can get their side uh, jamming together and clicking, then, you know, they can just rack up the tries. So, you know, I'm going to be like gentleman's agreement in this thing and say that after they beat the Arrows, I think that they can also beat New England as well. You know, I, I think I'm going to have to agree with uh, with Derek. Um, I like what I saw in their limited time with the ball. Um, and I think that there is going to be a very fired up crowd. No matter, you know, I don't know what the crowd size will be like. I think that they're going to be, the guys are going to be excited. They've been building towards this for two years now. And if Bowden Walk is back, I don't know what his injury is like. If he's back next week, he's a game changer. I think the halfback pairing is starting to click a little bit better. I'm going with New England. All right, then. All right. Well, I was just saying, you guys realize, though, the only reason that I have that extra win on you is because when we were debating the San Diego-Austin game, I asked Dan who he picked and then just picked the opposite of that. <laughs> so, I mean, Dan, you should – should have gone Utah, I think, but whatever. That's fine. no, I, I also did it because I remember that. Fine. So. I know you're picking DC in this one, so we'll be different. All right, Derek, DC versus Toronto. 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 I I, as the one person on this podcast still wearing oh my god, here. this is the fourth time you've mentioned it. I'm upset, man. Keep the faith. It, I don't even have the arrows logo. Dan, Dan, honestly, just it's type there. in the DC. I know how you feel, just type in DC. Just, I'm, not, I'm not gonna tell you. You're gonna have to go on the Google Doc and see what I wrote. Everyone, just to just to let you know, Dan has picked Old Glory DC because he no, has. No I, I'm picking Toronto. All right, Derek. I am gonna pick DC. Oh, oh, on the let, wrong person right let now. Let me let me explain my logic. No, no, you don't. Need, there's no need to explain. Shut that. up, Derek. Okay, this is my logic. Either I'm right and I get a win in my column or I'm wrong and happy. the arrows win, which is therefore also a victory for me. So either way I win. Okay, Dan, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> this reverse psychology nonsense needs to stop. Dan. I mean, we'll be double sad that, that, that there is a point. I, I see a part of his point is if the arrows lose, we also lose in this and I'll be double sad. So, okay, wow. this this well, next game. I is mean, weird. the arrows are going to win, and we just make fun of Stu for being wrong. 
That's true. Yeah, yeah, you, like you can one. mock me for an entire 30 seconds in the next uh, podcast. I mean, most of our podcasts are us mocking each other for 90 minutes anyway. <laughs> okay, okay, mocking me for 30 seconds for that. And then uh, bring it up at and then, every and then, other... And then we'll bring up Giuseppe de Trois playing on the All right, boys. Yeah, I know. I was waiting. Get back into focus. Come on. <laughs> Rugby ATL versus San Diego. Um, who's home? San Diego? Uh, rugby ATL. Rugby ATL. Mm. <laughs> I'll go first. I'm, I'm saying San Diego. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to have to take San Diego too. I don't think we've really seen full-fledged San Diego yet either. But yeah, I don't know. I think I got to go San Diego here. Well, having seen their game this week, I mean, they did win, but their second try did come from an Austin mistake. I think that they may... And arguably, Austin could have had a penalty try to win the game. Yeah. So I think that... But the decisions that they did make um, showed a, a bit of the... Uh, like folding under pressure such as like the forward pass and going for a line out when they could have easily taken the points and also this is back in atlanta atlanta will want to you know again assert that they are you know the best when they're at home so i am going to pick atlanta so far Derek and I have picked all the same, and Stu has picked the opposite. <laughs> He's going for the wild cards. All right. Uh, uh, this is actually going to be an interesting one. Austin versus Houston in the, the Texas Cup. Who do you guys have? This is the actual most difficult of the four games. See, I don't think it's difficult to pick. Like, I think, yeah. I'm picking Austin. I'm going I, Austin. I, I don't think it's that. I think. I think Austin has played better against more difficult opposition to start the season. And I mean, we'll see what their injury kind of status looks like, but depend like, yeah, depending on who's playing, maybe they get some guys back. Um, But I don't know, like losing to the free Jacks 32, nothing does. And like, like Dan said, it's like not being able to punch in tries up two guys. Not even being able to kick for points, like it's. Mm. I don't know. It's not. It's not sitting well. I'm taking Austin. They can keep the Texas Cup in Austin. Is it only this game is the Texas Cup, or is like the reverse fixture included? I think they just swap it after every game. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I think that obviously Houston have a lot to learn after. Uh, last weekend and need to be able to actually click and by click I mean score um, at the same time Austin has shown the ability to not see the game out correctly I mean ob- we can like debate whether it, it was a penalty try or not but the fact remains is that they were leading for the majority of that game and then blew it in the final 10 minutes or so and this will be Austin's third game at home in a in the in three in a row. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, third home game in a row. 
I think this is going to be a tight fixture, and I will go with. Houston. All right. Well, you know, I'm you know I'm just going against you guys for that's fine. All that's these. That's, I mean, that's probably a decent strategy, realistically. I mean, yeah. If we're wrong, I mean, we're right. Like, that's, that's okay. you're basically banking on us being wrong. I, you know what, realistically, uh, apart from DC, because if DC's wrong, I I still win anyway. As an hour, yeah, sorry, or something, that's, so. that's, fine. that's fine. You know what this means? We're all going to be like, like one, two, and one. It'll be weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and you know what? We we again with the guillotines being the surefire bets last two weeks, that's been taken away from us. Yeah. So it, it this has been a it'll be a really interesting week of uh of rugby. Oh, they all are. Yeah. So thank you very much, guys, for for listening to the episode. Um, we really appreciate um you know now that MLR is getting back into it, uh, people are listening to our episodes again. Um, we've covered the first two weeks of uh, MLR now so if you want to look back at some of our interviews with some of the players before we went to the training camp and uh, see how they were feeling before and just kind of learning about their journeys into rugby be sure to go on to any of the uh, platforms that provide podcasts and leave us a review let us know uh, what you liked what you didn't like and uh, make sure to follow us on all the social media platforms we're on follow us on YouTube we are putting out videos with all of our episodes and some little clip clippy clips so gentlemen we've got uh you know a long weekend here in canada with with easter to uh recuperate from last week's loss and hopefully celebrates a toronto arrows first win of the season